Welcome to Good Friday. Um, I love this gathering. Not just because we're outside. I, I do think that once we get on the other side of the pandemic, we start meeting indoors again, which I know feels like a foreign concept, but when we, it, it'll happen eventually in 2025 when we start meeting uh, indoors again, it'll be glorious. But when that happens, I think we're gonna miss having church outside, actually. On, on most days when it's not like 90 degrees out, you know. Uh, I feel like for Californians, there is like a 10 degree window where it's not too hot or not too cold. Uh, so <laughs> I feel like we're in that pocket. In about 30 minutes, I think it'll be too cold for most of us. So we'll, we'll, try, to, we'll try to rush. But I love this gathering because sometimes in church, we can kind of huddle up around our our nuances to our faith. So, oh, you like to sing those songs? We don't do that. We sing these songs. Oh, you like to have that kind of service, that length of service? Well, we don't. We do this over here and we separate. And what I love about services like this is even though uh, for voice church folks or new life or maybe you're walking along you're going, why are they being so loud in the park? Uh, and you don't go to church uh, normally or you don't go to one of these two churches, uh, that we can come together and rally around the idea that there was this man with God incarnate who lived, who predicted his death, was executed, and then rose from the dead and it changed everything. Like we rally around that. And the reality is none of us, no church today, are singing songs that they sang in the first century church. We're arguing about kind of ridiculous things if you really think about it. And those of you guys that go to New Life Church, I just want to say this. You guys may not realize this, but you guys are a big part of voice starting. What's a lot of times happen is when you start churches, pastors can get a little territorial, right? As if one church is reaching everybody in a city. And uh, we, we actually, when we first started, we had a church tell us that we couldn't borrow their chairs because we weren't Baptist. And I'm like, that is, I didn't realize that your chairs had a denominational affiliation. Uh, we'll rent them from somewhere else, right? It was this really interesting thing. And then I met your pastor, Pastor Madden. He said, you know what? Even though you're going to plant in the same area that we have a passion for, Let's share connections. Let's share resources. He actually had us or had me come and speak uh, back when you guys were prodigal church a few locations ago. It's been a journey, hasn't it? And uh, actually had me speak. And then you guys, I don't know if you realize this, you gave us a generous offering so that we could launch Voice Church. Such a different spirit. So you got to know that you're part of a generous family underneath a generous pastor and that's what we, we celebrate tonight, rallying around the idea of Jesus. So here, here's the thing. In two days, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Uh, but that's not what tonight is about. If you're wondering kind of why, why is tonight kind of somber? Like, see you again is like in a minor key. Like, why, why is tonight so sad? And we're going to talk about that a little bit because Resurrection Sunday is coming, but that's not how it ended on Friday for the disciples. We're going to dive into that just for a moment, but we're going to need to go back 2,000 years. And I want you to put yourself into a disciple's shoes. You've just followed Jesus for one, two, maybe three years if you're an OG, and you have seen Jesus get captured. Well, even before that, last night, Thursday night, he got everyone together, and he goes, hey, drink of this cup. This is my blood spilt for you. Oh, yeah, take this bread, break it. Take this, and this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you know how weird that is? Can you, he's doing his own funeral. Can you imagine someone at dinner tonight goes, hey, drink this, this is my, this is my body broken for you. 
This is my blood spilled for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Be like, what's wrong with you? You're still alive. You're not bleeding. Are you cut? Are you hurt? They were super confused. It didn't make any sense. It would, but it didn't just yet. And then you would see Judas, one of your own, betrayed Jesus, and Jesus would get captured. He stayed overnight in prison. And if you're a disciple, you're like, oh, here we go. He's going to overthrow Roman rule from the inside. He, he thought of a creative way to get inside the system and tear down the system from the inside, except he doesn't. The next day, you see your rabbi, your leader, your savior, your God-man flogged 39 times. And if you're a disciple, you're going, okay, come on, any minute now, any minute now he's going to bust out of the chains, any minute now he's going to show them that he's God. But it doesn't happen. Josephus, historian of the time, says that after the flogging, you couldn't recognize Jesus as a man anymore. Flesh torn, blood spilled. It started to make sense what Jesus was talking about earlier. And then you see Jesus go before the crowd, and the crowd says, execute him. That's not enough. The flogging wasn't enough. Execute him. And so you see this man who's starting to look less like a God and more like a man being taken to carry a cross outside of town, out of the city, to a hill called Golgotha, place of the skull, to be executed. Not where Roman citizens were executed. Not where anybody of any prestige was executed. You're talking the low of the low were executed outside of the city. And that's where this Jesus is being executed? You can see he's, he can barely walk. And if you're a disciple, you're going, what is going on? This doesn't make sense. This is not how it's supposed to happen, right? He's going he's gonna to get up, right? You're seeing him get weaker and weaker to the point where he can't even walk anymore. He falls. And they have to ask Simon of Cyrene to carry this piece of wood because he's not even strong enough to carry that and walk. And if you're a disciple, you're going, what is going on? This doesn't make any sense. This is not how it's supposed to go down. Confused. But maybe, maybe he's just letting suspense and tension build up and he's going he's gonna to overcome somehow. He's going to call down angels from heaven. He's going to get supernatural strength. He's going to heal himself like we've seen him heal other people, but it doesn't happen. He gets to the top of the hill and there's an opening on a cross because they're executing hundreds, if not thousands at a time. There's an opening on a cross and they, they put Jesus on the wood, got these giant nails in his wrists and in his ankles through the major nerves of the body. He's screaming in pain. Okay, but surely now though, is now is when he's gonna, he's gonna overcome, right? Like now he's gonna overthrow Rome, right? But he doesn't. And he goes up on the cross. And every breath is getting more labored. And you're seeing the light drain out of Jesus' eyes. You're going, what is going on? Then you keep going and he screams out like Matt read. He screams out, 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Reading, reciting the psalm that foretold, the prophecy that foretold his death. And then he says, into your hands, I come in my spirit. He breathes one last time and his body goes limp. He's there, but he's not there anymore. The centurions come by and when someone is taking too long to die, they'll break their knees so that they can't push themselves up to breathe anymore. So they suffocate faster. And so they go to, to break Jesus' knees, but they find out he's already dead. And then just for good measure, they put a, a, a spear in his side through his body, breaks a sack around his heart, and fluid gushes out. Again, if you're a disciple, you're going, he's not really dead though, right? He can't be dead. That's, that doesn't make any sense. How could he be dead? They take him off the cross. A guy named Joseph says, you can use my family tomb. And so they prepare his body for burial. They put him in the tomb. They seal it. What was it like to be a disciple walking home that night? See, we know that Sunday was coming. We knew that the third day was coming. You're like, come on, guys. Didn't you know he said on the third day I'll rise again? On the third day I'll restore the temple. They didn't know that. All they know was, what's going on? See, we look at it, it as a good Friday because we know the end of now, but for them it was a dark Friday because they had to have faith in the middle of this foggy situation. Maybe, maybe they were thinking, did we mishear Jesus? Like maybe we just thought he said he was going to overthrow Rome. Maybe we just thought he said he was God, but he wasn't actually saying that. He was trying to teach us just to be good people. Maybe we misheard him. Or maybe he, he lied. Maybe he tricked us. Maybe, maybe this Jesus guy didn't deserve the trust and the faith and the years and the sacrifice we'd given him. What do we do now? Maybe my friends were right when they thought I was crazy to drop everything and follow this guy. When I told my, my, my boss I was leaving my job to go follow this rabbi I just met, they said I was crazy. And you know what? Maybe I was. Maybe my, my boss will give my old job back if I ask nicely. What do you do? What would you do in their shoes? When things don't go the way they planned, what do you do? when things don't go the way you plan, when, when it doesn't seem like God is coming through with his promise in the timeline that you wanted him to have. I'm sure all of us have had to confront that over the last year. If there ever was a year where things didn't go according to plan, it was this last year. I think this last year has, has proven to all of us that plans are worthless. Plan out a week. And then we'll go from there. Three months plan, six months plan, who knows? But what do you do? What do you do when, when God is taking longer than you want him to? What do you do when things begin to dissolve in front of your eyes? What do you do when you see things unfold and all you have are question marks? If you're normal, you're thinking those moments where you do, you're almost afraid to say them out loud here because it sounds super unspiritual, but in those moments when you're in the car in those honest conversations with God and you're going, God, are you even real? God, do you even hear me? 
Are you really worthy of the trust? Are you really worthy of the years? You would never say that in church because, again, it's unspiritual. But in the honest moments, God, you promised. Is all this just a fairy tale? There's a story of this gal named Florence Chadwick. You guys ever heard of her? She, uh, in 1952, she attempted to swim from the California coast to Catalina Islands, 26 miles. And what happened was she was 15 hours into the swim, which is just an absolutely amazing thing. I, 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 kid you, I can barely swim 30 seconds, right, from like one end of the pool to the other. You think I'm kidding? I literally am not. So she was swimming 15 hours, and her mom was in a boat next to her in case she needed help. So 15 hours in, a fog rolls in. 15 hours. And she began to give up home, and her mom says, just keep going a little further. She goes, okay. She swam for one more hour and said, that's it. That's it. So she gets in the boat, and they row the rest of the way. They find out there were less than a mile. After 25 miles, less than a mile away from shore, the fog had made her want to quit. See, when fog rolls in, fatigue sets in. When fog rolls in, faith walks out, right? This is what happens. And so what happened was she did it uh, two months later, the same thing. Fog rolled in, but she didn't quit. Why? Why? Because... She, she, she said in an interview, you can read it online, she read, said in an interview, I pictured the shore. That's all I thought about. See, for them, the, the, the disciples, they didn't have a picture of Sunday yet. We do. We do. Tonight is not about Resurrection Sunday. We'll, we'll celebrate that Sunday. Tonight is about having faith in the middle of the fog having faith in the middle of fatigue, having faith in the middle of doubts and questions, having faith when it doesn't make sense, having faith to trust that just because things don't make sense, they may make sense from a higher point of view. That just because things don't make sense doesn't mean they don't make sense. So what do you do? What do you do in those moments? Do you keep going? Do you keep going? Tonight, remember that we don't always have to live in the happily ever after. Like, I want to see the, you know, the, the Disney movie ends with and they lived happily ever after. I want to see 10 years later when they're arguing about who's going to take the trash out. Right? I want to see that because we don't live in the happily ever after. We live in the messy middle. We live in the messy afterwards, the time where there's a lot of questions. We live in the confusion. See, when the disciples went to bed that Friday, they had no resolution. Think about that. When the disciples went to bed that Friday, my guess is a lot of them had already scattered. There's a remnant still left, if any. Peter had certainly left. And when they went to bed that Friday, they were still looking for a savior. And we end today with that same tension. We're going to end with a song actually called Looking for a Savior. And I want you to listen to the words of this song. We're going to read you just a little bit of it. It says, will I learn to live without taking? Will I begin to, begin to see the beauty in the making? I can't pretend to know the beginning from the end, but there's beauty in the life was given. We may bless or we may curse every twist and every turn. Will we learn to know the joy of living? 
Life is not in the happily ever after. Life is not in, the, in having complete clarity, not having everything make sense. If you're waiting for that, you're going to be waiting a long time. So much of life and following Jesus is trusting him in the middle of a bunch of questions, in the middle of a bunch of confusion, in the middle of a bunch of disappointment, to be honest. And to continue to have hope, to have trust, to have faith in the middle of the fog. We're going to end with communion. Actually, in the early church, a lot of times they would take communion daily with every meal. So it was, it's very possible, I would say probable, if not for sure, that the disciples actually took communion that Friday night. Just the night before, Jesus led them, do this remembrance of me, and this is the first night that they could, oh, this is what you were talking about. So what was it like as a disciple to take communion that night? Remembering a fallen Savior, not a soon-to-be-resurrected Savior. They didn't know that was going to happen, but a fallen Savior. Wondering what they're going to do next, sitting in the middle of all the confusion. So you should have received elements when you came in. If you didn't get those, just go and raise your hand and someone will bring those to you. They're nice and sanitary. All they're kind of hard to do. I, I, maybe I'm not smart enough to use them, but if you need help, you know, ask somebody around you. But sometime during this song, when you're ready, go ahead and take of the bread. Go and take of the juice. And you may go talk about I don't, I don't know God right now like I should. Well, then make a commitment. Or maybe you're like I, I've drifted. Okay and make a commitment. Walk one step closer to Jesus. It's okay to take communion in the middle of the communion and say, God, I'm confused. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I don't know what to do next. But what this communion represents is that you believe there's purpose in my life. You believe there's value in my life. That you would give your life just for me. And when there's hope in the future like that, then there's power in the moment. And with that, sit, sitting in that kind of tension is why we take communion together with the disciples in the middle of the unknown. So we're going to sing this song together, and when you're ready, go ahead and take that communion.